Welcome to Almost Here, Around the Corner of Future Technology podcast with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used. We're just around the corner from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Future Tech and Future Tech Health podcast. I have Steve Griffiths. He's a PhD and Senior Vice President and COO of Optum uh, Optum Health. And the website is optum.com. So Steve, thank you for coming. Happy to be here. Thank you. Yeah. Well, tell me the premise of Optum Health. What's, uh, what's the goal of the company? So actually, it's Optum. Optum Health is one of the parts of Optum, um, but okay. Optum is a is a basically a health services company. It's it's one of the companies within United Health Group, uh, UHG. And United Health Group has two main parts: United Health Care, which is the insurance businesses, and then Optum. Uh, Optum has three main parts to it. Um, one is Optum Health, which has health and health management programs like diabetes and wellness programs. Uh, we have Optum RX, which is a pharmacy healthcare services organization, and then Optum Insight, which is a, a data and analytics uh, organization. Um, collectively, it's sort of a it's uh, I think number six on the on the Fortune 500 in total, and uh, everything we do is sort of focused on making the health system health system uh, work better for everybody. Okay. And instead of uh, getting into the policy side and Obamacare and Trump care and all that stuff, how about the uh, the tech side? What's what's the latest and greatest or what are some of the new innovations that Optum is using to uh you know to improve things? Yeah, so um it, it's uh, obviously a fascinating and interesting time with everything that's going on in technology and analytics with with uh you know in the advent of, of sort of emerging technology um we you know as we uh, as we think about optimus businesses uh we uh and, there, and there's sort of four main focus areas uh one is again population health management healthcare operations pharmacy care services and healthcare delivery as i as i mentioned we uh data and analytics sits really at the center of all of that we actually call that optimiq uh, because it's really the intelligence that we drive through all of our businesses through the use of data, analytics, and expertise, all by all supported by technology. So it's an exciting time, as you, as you know, um, and and uh, everybody knows, with the advent, uh, at least in healthcare, of AI. Of course, uh, healthcare is a bit of a, of a slower adapter, but we're doing a lot of, of machine learning, deep learning models in a number of areas, and certainly happy to. Um, uh, talk a bit about that. And then we also actually did a, a first, for us anyway, um, survey of, of, of over 500 healthcare executives uh, around AI as a topic, just to sort of see where the where the industry is. So happy to share some insights on that too, if interested. Yeah, let's talk about the survey first. I wonder what the perception of uh, healthcare executives is right now. And is it different from what you thought? Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it, I think it's pretty consistent. I think um, uh, basically, pretty much everybody's optimistic about AI. I think close to 95% of the res- of the respondents, and these were big organizations in in multiple different sectors, so health systems, uh, employers, health plans, etc. But I, yeah, as I mentioned, about 95% sort of agree that AI is is probably one of the key paths toward 
broader accessibility and affordability within, within healthcare. Um, and probably, I think it was three-fourths of them are are you know have or are developing a strategy around this. Uh, most believe that this is going to lead to ROI, uh, um, you know, through any number of applications. Um, and I think uh, uh, the number was uh, over the next five years, the average sort of AI investment was going to be about thirty-two million dollars, at least across that uh, that cohort. Um, I think ROI, sort of the timing on the ROI, is a, is a question for these organizations in terms of you know how big do they go in their investments and partnerships and technology. Um, many thinking they they probably won't see an ROI over you know from probably over four years um, in total. And then I think the other thing that that came out of it, um, which isn't really a surprise because we're dealing with it as well as, as I think most organizations who are transitioning into the space is talent. Um, if, you, if you look at the talent pool, both on the technology and the analytics side, it's it's already stressed, if you will, um, you know, from from moving from more of a let's say a health plan orientation, which is where my own background is, and many of the folks with whom I work, um, uh, those those organizations use technology and analytics and data to manage risk and the health of populations. Now we're seeing provider organizations get into that by taking on risk from the government and from health plans. This whole thing called you know value-based care. Well, they don't have actuaries and health economists and data scientists to help them think and do things that health plans have traditionally done. So that sort of began to tax you know the the, the market for talent. And then just apart from that, just data science in general, all things AI, as everybody uh, figures out what their strategy in that space, um, talent really becomes a, a big a big issue. And it's it's how do you look at the talent you have internally and maybe evolve their skills into some of these newer capabilities, uh, as well as acquire folks externally with, with sort of the PhDs in computer science or, you know, seeing uh, data science, formal data science programs being stood up in, in any number of institutions. So anyway, those were sort of the main the main themes of, of how the market is thinking about this space. Well, you guys would be in a good position to do some AI and machine learning stuff because the, the data sets you guys have on the on insurance, you know, I'm sure you have yeah. hundreds of thousands or millions in different cohorts. So, um, you know, again, you, you have the data. It would be ideal for you to use it. So yeah. What, um, we, yep. What Sorry, particulars are you looking at? What, uh, I don't know if the, how far the implementation is, but have you seen any AI? Is it in play for you? And what's it doing? What's it changing? Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of... Um, a lot of different areas that we're that we're focusing on, you know, uh, um, very applied spaces. We always use the word AI with an ROI. <laughs> we're, you know, a, a very financially driven organization, as you can well imagine. So as we think about capital investments, we we focus uh, very intently on where we're driving value, and that value could be improving costs, whether medical. Pharmacy behavioral spend uh, could be efficiency in operating costs, um, uh, driving quality improvement, all those things. So we take a very disciplined approach. Um, but there's probably some different categories of application of these these technologies. Uh, there's sort of you know the, the clinical, let's say, predictive models. You know, identifying diabetics sooner, uh, targeting, identifying people that may have a, a, a high probability of an opioid use disorder. So things sort of, you know, heart failure is another one, imputing um, imputing uh, risk or presence of a condition when maybe the, the physician's notes don't specifically 
uh, indicate that. And one example being we partnered with WestMed, uh, which is a, a large health system, and actually used AI on their data to to basically identify undiagnosed people with atrial fibrillation. Uh, AFib, as you probably know, is something that is very sporadic. So, uh, you know, your heart can go into uh, fibrillation, you know, flood or whatever, um, but it, it, it's very episodic. It doesn't, so it doesn't continue. So when you go to the doctor, you may not have a symptom. Um, and, uh, uh, but it's important that you treat it because you can have a stroke and a blood clot, those types of things. And so we actually trained some models on uh, in a pilot proof of concept with their data uh, and, I, and identified, I think, 70% or something of, uh, of the patients uh, who, um, who had AFib, even if they weren't diagnosed for it. So that really sort of was an exciting initial, initial finding because it, it helps become an input into the kind of the care delivery process. A lot of people get worried around, you know, suddenly AI is going to be making decisions, you know, in healthcare. I think that's a very, very long way away. We see an exciting way to enable uh, decisions. Uh, Quick and question here. Um, yeah. So when you said you were able to identify, for instance, atrial fibrillation in a population, was it that you reached out to the doctors and said, hey, we're going to incentivize you to get the patients to collect certain data you're not getting right now and report it to us? Or how did you figure that out? Yeah. No, so it was actually using their own uh, electronic medical record information that they uh, enabled us to, to build models on with them. Um, so it basically uh, looked at the characteristics and the features in the data and, you know, basically you had a training data set and, and sort of the usual way of building model. It identified basically individuals who had a high probability of a diagnosis, even though they didn't have a recorded diagnosis for AFib. And so then basically patient lists were provided, you know, to those physicians in the pilot um, to basically reach out and make sure that uh, those patients were getting the services that they needed. Well, would that be a, an additional potential path where, again, you partner with uh, X number of doctors, let's say for diabetes care, and the doctors say, all right, you know, uh, Optum or United Healthcare, for instance, has said uh, you'll get a, a, you know, a lowered premium if you report your blood sugar readings three times a day to us for a period of six months for use in a study. Yeah, I, I haven't seen that particular sort of uh, program, but I, I think that's something that I could envision that that uh, an organization would do. It, um, it, you know, it, it's all in the, you know, <laughs> it's all in the data, right? It's, it's, and so the the this whole concept of big data having lots of lots of data and lots of different types of data, this, not just claim data, but also electronic health record and consumer data and social determinants information, because obviously things like social isolation and health literacy matter in all these equations. And so, uh, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if some organizations had incentives like that to, to capture information. Yeah, because I, I don't want to say there's only so much you could figure out from electronic health records. I'm sure there's tons. Right. But to take that further and to go further along that path, I would think yeah. it would be very exciting for you guys that you've been able to figure out, ooh, you know, we can tell when someone's going to have, uh, you know, this condition. Yeah. So let's take it further now and partner and, and get a lot more data, which will really right. inform what you guys do, how you price premiums, how you provide care, and just everything. It'll help. 
Yeah, and just to be just to be clear on the Optum side, we don't we don't uh, do insurance, and there's it's a highly regulated okay. space in terms of how the actuaries do it. So we don't you know uh, that that's it's uh, you know the data aren't used you know in those sort of premium situations for that. But in terms of identifying people with conditions and that sort of a stuff thing, it's 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 these you know different types of data. Uh, coming together to create a whole profile. I think the other sort of area clearly um, is, you know, in operations, uh, you know, looking at very manual processes um, where, uh, you know, where decisions happen, sometimes the processes are slow, and, and using some of these models to, to support, you know, the decision making, whether it's around prior authorization or, or other types of medical chart reviews, um, using the technology just speeds things up and helps people get the you know the, the care that they need faster, and makes the overall system more affordable, which is what which is what everybody needs. Yeah. So, what areas specifically have you guys identified that need the most help that you're already working on or you're planning to work in? Yeah, I think you know sort of the disease identification, as I already as I already talked about, is certainly an an interesting and important area. It has lots of applications. Uh, across multiple different markets, um, both in uh, as an example from an Optum perspective in software that we sell to help health systems and payers uh, support their business processes. But also we have in Optum Health a um, many, many, many clinical programs like diabetes, uh, oncology, those types of things. And so powering those to be more intelligent, this gets back to the Optum IQ concept, the intelligence inside, uh, providing more um, and, and improved models to support the interventions that they provide. So a lot in that space. And then, and then again, uh, looking for, for use cases in the operations um, space. Um, uh, around efficiency, we also have done some work using deep learning models um, to read medical charts um, to help speed up uh, some of the physician and nurse reviews of medical uh, of medical data, where it often takes them a long time to. Uh, it's very laborious, and lots of errors sometimes can occur when people have to sort of sort through charts. And so, using AI to to model those decisions in a supportive role. Um, speeds up the whole process and and reduces waste, quite frankly. So, any use cases that were really surprising or cool or insightful to you that you've seen recently? Yeah, there was one um, recently. Uh, actually, was sort of in the uh, kind of identity matching um, uh, space where uh, you know lots of people come into into organizations through different portals and different ways, and sometimes they can come through as John Doe, J-O-H-N Doe. In another case, they might come through as John Doe, J-O-N Doe, or J-Doe, or Job Doe, if something was miskeyed. And, and obviously understanding and making sure that, that people who are they, who they say they are, um, is extremely important. And, and a, a team built a model to help. It was a very manual process to try to ensure that, that records were lined up the right way. And so using AI, again, in a supportive role to, to basically speed up that process. Um, uh, there, there's, as you know, humans can only go so fast. And so there were throughput issues and there were millions of records in, in this one particular use case that needed to be reviewed. And of course, AI can just tear through it and find actually things that the humans couldn't or where a mistake was made. So that was one, you know, I've been in analytics for 20 plus years, uh, using, you know, technology as a part of that. Um, and, uh, that was one where I was like, huh, I never would have thought of that. <laughs> 
<laughs> so that's it's it's a really fun time as you as you sort of see these use cases come up um, in areas that you just really wouldn't have thought about before. Well, what about the sharing of data? I mean, you know, I think we've all had the experience where we'll go to a hospital, we'll go to a provider, we're still filling stuff out on paper. Um, you got to write the same thing five times. Mm-hmm. You know, if you go to a hospital, you got to explain your situation ten times. I mean, why can't that be shared so that you don't have to do that and everything's a lot faster? Yeah, I think you know workflow capturing of information, um, and which gets to just integration and operability. I think is a is a huge huge issue, um, uh, and and so I think making making you know to your point, like uh, you know only having to, to gather information one time and making it available uh, in in multiple other places, so it doesn't have to be to be recaptured. I think that's uh, you know those are clearly areas of opportunity. So what are some of the um the big watersheds that we're going to see happening in the next five years, you think, in terms of what you guys are working on? Yeah, I I think, um, again, I, I think in this clinical space, um, you know, and as we think about the cloud and all of that offers uh, in, in terms of how we uh, make information and, and analytics available in a very, you know, in a safe way, I think there's going to be advances there. Um I think, as I mentioned, in the the service offerings and the clinical programs, the pharmacy programs uh, that we offer, I think there's going to be uh, you know a lot of advancement around uh, around clinical prediction and, and even pr- progression of disease. So uh, you know there's a lot of predictive models out there that that focus on you know predicting future costs or utilization, uh, fairly generic uh, pr- predictive models. Um, I think we, we need to get much more, you know, you've seen the Gartner sort of curve move toward prescriptive uh, analytics, uh, um, get more specific around people that are, you know, pre-diabetics or people that are pre-heart failure and, and beginning to look at how people are progressing through conditions. So not just do you are you at risk for having a condition, but now that you have it, how are you progressing through that? And, uh, you know, how do we continue to evolve interventions and, and work with our clients, um, you know, in health systems and health plans to provide better and more specific interventions to where where people are in their health kind of care journey? Um, I think we're going to see a lot of advancement in that space. Okay, what about the pharmaceutical uh, side of it? You mentioned that. Yeah, I think similar things um, there as well. Both just, as I mentioned, sort of prior authorization is is an area, um, uh, you know, where you have uh, uh, complex or expensive drugs that need to be reviewed um, uh, uh, by pharmacists, et cetera. So I think using using AI-based technology to help speed that process up, um, I think, uh, which again helps get people get what their drugs and, and what they need more quickly. Um, uh, I think that'll that'll be an area where we'll probably see some advancement. And then similarly, uh, within that the pharmacy space, uh, we have you know things like specialty medications and specialty programs for multiple sclerosis, for rheumatoid arthritis. These are you know individuals on on very very expensive medications um, who have you know many different needs. And so again, I think you know using these types of models to to help manage. Uh, the care, the quality, uh, help make, you know, closing gaps in care, um, uh, for those populations and managing overall expense in a, in a, you know, helpful sort of way. I think we'll see, I think we'll see, um, uh, you know, more and more models being built increasingly for that, for that space. Okay. Very good. Um, any trends you see emerging in the industry in general that you haven't talked about? Um, I think, 
uh, let me just think here. I think, I think you know, the, uh, we talked about talent. I think that's that. There's sort of a, uh, I don't know if it's a trend, but um, I, I think in, I think it's a sort of something that that you know that's becoming more of an, an issue or something we've got to deal with. Um, um, I think um, we're you know really seeing data and analytics, and again, having been in it for for quite a while, um, it, it, it's really becoming. Uh, Really, more of a seen as a strategic asset in organizations, and and, and I think uh, the the AI survey that we shared that I shared sort of you know I think further supports that. Um, I know I recall in previous roles, you know um, you know trying to be a champion for analytics for what it could do, and there's sort of an organic you know nature to organizations. They 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 change when they're ready to change, and sometimes they 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 change um, when the market changes and they have to react to it. And um, so even if you think that analytics are a great idea, they may not be ready for it at that time. So I think we're seeing a, a trend of organizations all looking at this space and understanding that they need to, to think about it differently and that there, in some ways there is a race here um, uh, competitively in, in certain areas. And, uh, and so I think, I think that, that trend of, a, of awareness and the importance of, of data, of analytics, of expertise, uh, again, as, as we think of this I, sort of I optimize Q concept, is um, I think many organizations are are dealing with that in a way that they and thinking about it in a way that they haven't um, uh, historically. Yeah, I always seem to focus on United States type stuff because that's where I am. But what about worldwide? You guys look worldwide, and what's the picture look like there? Are there certain nations that are doing different things versus the United States that are interesting? Yeah. Yeah, so I, I, um, I'm, I, I, to be honest, I don't have a, a, a very large international perspective. Um, I know, uh, United Health Group, um, is, is doing work in, uh, you know, a number of different, in a number of different companies and, um, or a number of different countries. Um, but, uh, and, uh, and we're working hard to, to make sure that we show that, uh, our capabilities work here. <laughs> um, so that as we, as we do go externally, we have proven solutions. But I don't have, unfortunately, a, a too much perspective on, uh, on, uh, kind of where some other, other countries are relative to AI. Right. No worries. Okay. So what's the best way to, uh, you know, for people to get in touch and ask questions and, and find out more? Yeah. I think, um, I'm happy to share my, uh, you know, uh, email address. I uh, would love to, to talk to folks uh, about their experience and, and answer further questions around it. I can, um, you know, happy to give you to that offline here. Um, uh, and uh, uh, yeah, I think it's this, it's really an exciting time. I, I sort of <laughs> refer to it as the time of the nerds. I mean, obviously there's a lot of change in technology, but back to that talent uh, talent conversation, it, it's um, it's a fun time in. In healthcare, in analytics, uh, the the new methods and new new technologies and capabilities are really enabling us to do things that we just we just haven't been able to do before. And of course, you know, we talk people talk a lot about the hype of AI. Um, there there are really a lot of very meaningful use cases that I, I think are really going to uh, make a difference from an affordability perspective, an access perspective, and quality of care. So it's exciting and happy to talk to anybody about it. Okay, very good. And folks, you can also go to Optum. Dot com as well. So, uh, Steve, thanks for coming on the call. I appreciate it. All right. Thank you. Have a great day. You have been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post a review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 
3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.